Hi everyone, Matt Guy here. Stu and Andy are on a brief hiatus this week, which gives me perfect opportunity to start a new uh, episodal, episodical, if you will, feature that we're doing on the show, which is a deep dive into the cinema industry, touching on how the pandemic has affected uh, the industry and what it means to different entities from big corporation and corporate cinemas to independent cinemas and how it's affected everybody in between. I'm delighted to say I was joined by uh, Kelly from um, the Lighthouse Cinema in Wolverhampton, of course, very, very close to my heart. Um, as you'll hear in the interview, um, spent a lot, and I mean a lot, of drunken memories in the Lighthouse when it used to be an indie nightclub on a Friday night and then studied uni there. Um, and we talked about the industry and how coronavirus has affected um, how they operate and, and a history of what they do and what they bring to the community of Wolverhampton, something I'm very, very passionate about. Um, so we hope you enjoy it. Um, it's a good listen, to be fair. She was um, she was really, really knowledgeable and obviously has a lot of passion about the industry and, and film in general. So I hope you enjoy it. If you want to know more, The Lighthouse has a fantastic website that you can go and visit on as well. I'm going to see Pig at time of recording tonight. Um, for the first time in the cinema setting, which is going to be fantastic. So really looking forward to it. So I hope you enjoyed this little break from your usual scheduled programming. And uh, let us know on Twitter, at uh, CageFightingPod, what you think about this format and if you enjoy it and um, if you want to hear more. But anyway, for now, I hope you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Kelly Jeffs from Lighthouse Cinema. Kelly, thank you very, very, very much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for inviting me, Matt. It's really good. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, there's something we have to do first with every single guest. We go through the same three questions, kind of a measuring a measuring and feeling out process, if you will. So my first question to you, what is your favourite Nick Cage film? Right, well, this may surprise you. Go on. But I, I haven't really watched many Nicolas Cage films. That doesn't but, surprise me. Well, okay. We're, we're some um, of the ones that we've watched. <laughs> <laughs> so the one that I really liked has always stuck with me, and it was a bit of a, uh, one of those where it's like a rite of passage kind of thing. So it was, back, it was 1991. I was at uni and we hired it from Blockbusters. Okay. And it's called Zandali. Okay. And uh, it's um, Nick Cage, obviously, mm -hmm. playing a tormented artist that's not doing too well. Mm -hmm. And Judge Reinhold, do you remember that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't remember the woman's name. She's very pretty and, you know, sultry and alluring. And um, she's married to Judge Reinhold, and he 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 ends up getting a job in uh, New Orleans as a heat wave. And he's a poet originally, but I think he, get, he gets sort of a number crunching job, something yeah. that's to damaging his whole reason for being. And then he he bumps into his old mate Nicholas Cage, and it, I would imagine you could you can imagine what happens next. The bored housewife who. Has lost her poet husband. Oh, I see. He's slightly magnetized towards, well, slightly <laughs> is an understatement, towards Nicolas Cage. And it's very, 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 um, you know, I remember it being, as I said, a right to be, I remember it being like, you know, erotic, but in a, a way that I'd never kind of seen before. You know, I, was a, I wasn't a child then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a grown woman, but it was like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Anyway. So there's an interesting scene in his art studio mm -hmm. with uh, cocaine and olive oil. Oh, I won't say hello. anything else. <laughs> so have I sold it to you? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to nip to Sainsbury's and then nip to see somebody <laughs> just in case, <laughs> just in case I want to recreate. Um, <laughs> but that's like, to be fair, that's the only one that really sticks out in my mind. I may okay. have seen other ones, but I just can't remember them. No, that's great. He's not someone I actively seek out as a... However, I am looking forward to Pig, so... Yes, yeah, and I'm sure we'll discuss that a little bit more yeah. a little later. But question number two, what mm. is your favourite cinema snack? Well, I don't, I'm not a big believer in snacking in cinemas. We're mm -hmm. yep. in an independent cinema. It's not something that, even though we need to sell the concessions as secondary spending, 
we don't push things in a you know in a way. What I tend to do is I like something savory and I like something sweet, but what I do is I transfer them into cups. Okay. So that I become a silent muncher. <laughs> so things like minstrels for yep. sweets or uh, I don't know, something something like soft like what's it, something that won't yep. make too much of a noise. But that's I- what and I try and share that in share that so sort of pack with people mm-hmm. so just transfer that into a cup here's a cup you know and you won't be rattling around or you know and well, yeah and um from this podcast he despises food in the cinema of any variety and um a few of our listeners are the same way in that um you know it does take away sometimes from the ambience when you've got someone chomping to high heaven um, yeah. next to you it takes away from the the feel of of, of the experience and, and you're right i think one of the one of the reasons why people like to come to my my the cinema that i that i run is is because that's not that's not the be all and end all yeah. in fact yeah. the, the, the thing about us is that people come because they like to take a glass of wine or a beer into the screen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is always very it always seems very civilized you know, and uh, people say, "Oh, you can take, can you take a drink?" Yeah, you know. So that's that's always more of a an attraction rather than the chomping. You know, the <laughs> nachos and stinking hot dogs and, and, yeah. and even popcorn. We we sell popcorn, but we don't make a massive deal out of it. Yeah. We just happen to, you know, we we just we have it and we say, right, that's the that's the size of it. It's very small. And there you go. If you want it, you want it. If you don't, you don't. Brilliant. And the third and final question, if you can only watch one film for the rest of your life, what are you watching? Well, I'm afraid it's Love Actually. Okay. Hey, listen, you, we have had some much worse uh, suggestions in the past. So, you know, it's such an impossible question. Mm -hmm. But that is the one that it's a go-to, and it's always because it's got such a breadth of characters as well, and you know it's and there's always the little nice the little scene with um, with Hugh Grant doing his dance, which I always think is really funny, and and the heartbreaking thing. It doesn't matter how many times I watch it, Emma Thompson makes me cry in that scene. Yeah, you know, when she realizes what's going on, I want to stab the girl in the face who <laughs> horrible girl from the office, you know. Uh, I want to sleep with the guy who Laura Lynn is in love with that she you know she can't get it together with him. There's all there's plenty to there's plenty to keep you going. In oh, yeah. I've, um, got no, I've got no issue on that front, to be fair. Yeah, so yeah, and it's I don't know, it's got it's just got that charm, hasn't it? So. I do I do have a, a bonus fourth question to put you on the spot. It's something that has has split the podcast down the middle in in the last week or so where do you lie on dirty dancing do you know what i, I don't mind dirty dancing it's not a film that i'd switch off when it popped up mm-hmm. but I, I just don't i was never really that into it um but i know that it's i think it's quite a good i think it's all right quality as a film mm-hmm. it's not cringy no um and yeah i mean it brought by some you know issues that are questionable um in terms of you know the story you know the narrative but yeah yeah I think I haven't got I'm indifferent I don't dislike it I don't love it exactly yeah you're pretty much along the same line as me really when when the other two were arguing to high heaven about it I was very very neutral <laughs> very Switzerland about it so I didn't really <laughs> stress, stress either <laughs> way about it well we're here to discuss um, the wonderful Lighthouse Cinema today and have a kind of a discussion around um, how coronavirus has affected you guys, yourself and the industry. Um, as you touched on before, you you run the Lighthouse in, in Wolverhampton. For anybody that doesn't know uh, the Lighthouse, if, you, if you're from Wolverhampton, you know it. But if for people that aren't from Wolverhampton or some of our friends and listeners from, from abroad, do you want to just give us a, like a brief overview of, of what the lighthouse is yeah well this um the backstory really is it started as a small community film project mm-hmm. um in the mid 80s uh a couple of pioneers really people that wrote film studies for the university of Wolverhampton. 
Um, and it was at the back room of the art gallery, and it mm-hmm. was for real cinephiles, you know, real niche film fans, um, classics and, and film studies and all that side of, you know, that, that kind of ilk. Um, and then in the late 80s, the building itself is an old lock fa- Victorian mm-hmm. lock factory, and it's a stunning piece of architecture. It's, a, it's like the, it's at the gateway of the city. Um, and it was derelict from the 60s. It was the Chubb factory, Chubb mm-hmm. lock factory. The Chubb locks you get from all, you know, all over the world. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was shut down, and as the you know the things started to change in the in the industry, and it was just derelict for many many years. And then, what was then at that point the Polytechnic of Wolverhampton, and then the council and the European Regional Development Fund, along with private landlords, uh, Midlands Industrial Association. It was a massive capital project and it was really yeah. pioneering at the time. This is way before my time, but it was pioneering because the whole aim of it was it was a purpose built added on uh, block that was with the cinema screens and then blended into the it's almost um, what's the what's it what's it called? Um, the punk what, steampunk, steampunk. Style. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, so you've got your industrial um girders and wood and you know scrape back walls and it's just a stunning building and the reason why I was saying it was pioneering is because it was the whole aim of it was to attract creative businesses Mm -hmm. all in the one building to create um you know what we call the cultural critical mass and and not all those buzzwords that we still hear now that was happening in the 80s you know so it was a real kind of um exemplar of, of mm-hmm. that, that sort of idea and as time wore on it, the independent cinema side to it grew and grew and um, parallel to what we were doing with the cinema side we were running training courses we were very innovative we were like a finishing school for yeah. un, you know unemployed graduates you know there's so many people out there in the sector that six degrees of separation the lighthouse from their training days you know, they're all over the world working, freelancers, script writers, animators, mm-hmm. all sorts. It's, you know, there's a real good track record of what how we've supported people. The independent cinema side to it ebbed and flowed and, you know, it's, and then when the multiplex opened in the um, mid-90s, which is about two miles down the road, yep. Yep. Uh, it totally killed lighthouse and we actually physically closed as a cinema mm-hmm. for a for a bit um and then we managed to obviously then i joined in 99 so i've just done my 22nd year there wow. congratulations i know i know it's been a real journey um and it's not an easy journey but it's yep. a it's almost become a labor it is a labor of love but the, the in terms of it turning around back into an independent cinema and operating again, we just gradually grew. You know, we we were open very scaled back, and then and then right up until to 2019, December 2019, we had record breaking ticket sales, hmm. and then obviously it all went wrong. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's what yeah. we're that's what we're really keen to discuss today. I mean, the, the lighthouse for me holds a really special place in my heart personally because. Not only um, did I study film at, at, at the University of Wolverhampton, so I was in the lighthouse all the time for, for like lectures and, and screenings, uh, and it and it, sim- it signified a, a period in my life where because I used to go to Light Bar as well the, yeah. the night that they put on a Friday night. So this this yeah. place was just everything that was special to me in one building. Um, and it, and I'm really really fond memories of, of being there, like you know, for uni, for for nights out, and yeah. being a kind of a cultural hub for me. Um, and the building, like you say, is absolutely stunning. A friend of mine was there only last weekend, and was set, was you know showing me pictures of of the of the roof and and just how iconic that building is. And I I would hate to think that people don't know the history of it. And that's yeah. hopefully what we can do a little bit of as well is 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 give that you know to, to the masses and. One thing that really strikes me um, about about the building and the, and the cinema, it's a real people's project. Like for, for, you know, people that we speak to, the staff are super engaged with with the with the customers and 
and it's a real family feel to it. It's something that you lose in translation when you're at these mass corporate, you know, cinemas. Um, and I'm really, really, really glad you've been able to, you know, to join us to talk us through it. Um, in terms of, you know, you mentioned that, that there have been tired, darker times where you've struggled. You are part of a charity organisation as, as well, I understand. Um, yeah, yeah. How, how does that work in terms of kind of funding? Do you get support from the council or do you get support from, you know, like things like the National Lottery or things like that at all? Well, trust me, we've, uh, in the heyday, in I suppose from the early 2000s, we were involved, there was, a, there was about 52 staff at one point. Mm. Um, now there's 15 of us. Mm-hmm. So you can see how things have changed and retracted. And yeah. and, it, and the journey of the struggle, the struggle is real. And, mm-hmm. I, and it's we became a charity in 2012. And our charity of objectives is really what we've always done, uh, which is, you know, giving access to affordable or free, you know, cult- cultural activity yeah. where yeah. possible. Um so at one point, uh, I mentioned when we when the capital investment happened, it was ERDF money, European Regional Development Fund, and obviously all that's gone out the window now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was so there was we had a lot of different projects that were funded by it's Heritage Lottery, National Lottery, ESF European Social Fund, which is you know I, I managed a couple of million pounds worth of projects over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say heyday, what I mean is, is that that was when there was a real appetite for skills development. Yeah. Um, the creative industries was being seen as a, you know, it was the, uh, they, they, they kept harping on it, it was the second biggest income, GDP income generator for, for the country. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's gone even, you know, it's developed and as, it, as they said it would. And so we were part of that. And then... Government decisions changed. Austerity came into into the, the equation. We had a huge revenue cut um, that helped to keep our um, that used to uplift our um, overhead, help with overheads. Yeah. yeah. So that that would enable us to take risks on things and bring in um, programs of film, programs of artwork, what you know, all sorts of different things that would enable us to be again. Uh, you know, achieve our charitable objectives of giving access to stuff to people in the city mm-hmm. in, a, in a very difficult city. Yeah, yeah. Like what I mean by that, by is that you know you have the culturally engaged already are usually as you would expect white middle class retired professionals or or people who work in education or you know culture itself. It's like an ecology of its own, and we want we've always strived to try and attract um you know diverse groups and we've we, yeah. we, we, we achieve that in in a, in a in a way um pulling that revenue funding from us basically created a this funding gap that we've that we had to try and fill mm-hmm. with ticket sales donations sponsorship but still on a real scale at workforce so it's yeah. a real struggle and I always feel like I'm navel gazing and think, you know, moaning and whining. But when I think about the things that we achieve through that struggle, yeah, yeah, yeah. it just makes it worthwhile. And that, you know, we've got literally thousands and thousands of things that we've done over the years and engaged with. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's brilliant. And I mean, it leads on, on to my next question, really. And you, you've raised a lot of it already is kind of why should someone, you know, not everybody's going to be able to go to uh, to lovely Wolverhampton, but why should somebody choose an independent cinema over a chain? So, I mean, for me, number one would straight away be you are going to get some more niche um, films out there or films that are more culturally engaged, but perhaps not as popular from a, from a blockbuster point of view. Pig being a prime example of that. I literally jumped for joy when I saw your tweet and your article about, about showing it. And, and I think I must have been one of the first to book because I was, I was literally on the phone straight away. I get my tickets. Yeah. tickets. Um, what, why, in your opinion, should someone, you know, choose an independent cinema, would you say, over a, over a, you know, a 15-screen behemoth? Well, 
I don't have anything against multiplex and everybody's got their own business models and their own mm-hmm. um, agendas as such, you know, and I, we all understand that people have their own tastes and mm-hmm. their own um, ideas and people, especially with younger people, that's a whole difficult nut to crack these days. Yeah. Um, what I always say is, there's been, I think there's been perceptions, mis, misperceptions in the past of we're, as, from Lighthouse's point of view, that we're uh, exclusive, that we're, you know, we we'll show those quirky art films that nobody yeah. understands. Or they only show French stuff there. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's absolutely no, nothing like that at all. You know, with the, over mm-hmm. the last, say, eight years, we've had to blend in mainstream you know, yeah. crossover titles, but films are getting more sophisticated in themselves anyway. You know, mm-hmm. you've got your quality independent that bring in the masses. So most of the time, those films bring in an older demographic. Yeah. Um, and we try to, I don't like to say, we, 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 I say cradle to grave because we do cater for all sorts of age groups and, mm-hmm. uh, and diversity and everything. And that's what makes it exciting because you don't know what you're going to see from one week to the next, you know. Yeah. And we do sh- we do follow a pattern of, you know, there's always the expectation of certain films that you know that will be at Lighthouse. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I think people could like to come to us is because we have conversations. Mm-hmm. We have conversations. We create a, a home of of, you know, of discussion, whether that be on social media, it's getting stronger, I think. Um, But in person, you know, if I'm around, I'll chat to whoever's coming through the door and engage with them, talk to them about what did they think of it or what, you know, what's coming up and I'll know those customers and say, did you know we've got this coming up and have you seen this? I get emails every week from people, random people I might not be able to know. I don't know who they are. I know them if I saw them, but I don't know how their names. They'll email me and say, thank you. for." They'll thank yeah. me. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know anyone that would thank a multiplex for what they've done. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. I understand but this that. is the, the difference. And I think it's, it's again, it's that we, we offer a safe space. We offer a, 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 a sort of, it's just a bit more personable. But sometimes that sort of bites us in the backside. Okay. Expectations can be quite high. Mm -hmm. And well, why aren't you showing that one? Yeah. No, for example, you know, well, we've only got two screens for a start, and you know, there's a lot of content to put on. Yeah. You know, oh, but oh, so disappointed that you, you know, I could only come Tuesday and that's the night you had subtitles. And I that spoiled it for me. (laughs) And then I hopefully try and explain, well. We are proud of our accessible screenings, but we can't be everything to everybody all the time. No, of course not. So being like accessible and personable and, and it, it can sometimes be, feels like we spoil them a little bit. Yeah, I, I can understand that. But I mean, to, to, to turn that on its head, I mean, fans of, of our podcast have said, you know, multiple times about how you know, they've taken their children for the first time. And, it's, you know, it's, it's intimidating, you know, yes. this big space and other people especially coming out of a of a pandemic where yeah. a lot of children this is their first time around people in two years and they might have been only two three years old yeah. when they when they, when they started the pandemic and now they're five six and coming out and seeing masses f- f- you know f- for their for their first time in their memory I think the way that you guys operate and the way that you guys your mantra is very much about welcoming people in to enjoy the experience of being there mm. not necessarily just the film that you're showing um, and that's something that I think is really, really, really important and, and something that I think a lot of people, when they experience it for the first time, um, don't realise that's what that's what they needed. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, uh, I'm guessing what is, is a bit difficult for you, for you guys, is, is getting people there for the first time. Because I think once people go and they appreciate what they have there and the beautiful building and everything that comes with it, yeah. it becomes more of a, an, an attractive prospect. I mean, what I've been doing, what I've been doing myself, and encouraging other t- members of the team to do since we've reopened uh, is to, if people have been racking, you know, rocking up at the door to see what's 
I've taken them into the cinema. They're not they're not under any obligation to buy a ticket. Mm-hmm. Let me show you what we've done so you can see how it works. We have we've had some new families coming in over the summer holidays, and I've there's been mums and dads who I've said, let me show the children where this film's going to be screened. Yeah. They're a bit, you know, as you said, they're a bit nervous. Uh, you know, one family came in where one of the little girls was hysterical and they took her out again. I said, come on, I'll show you the screen. And then I said to the mum, if it doesn't work out, come back another day. We'll yeah, honour yeah. the ticket. Just go in and try it, you know. And she was so grateful. And the little girl was absolutely fine, yeah. you know. And I think it's just, it's giving them that sense of belonging. And, you know, this is part of, this is for everybody, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so that's been working quite well. And with some of the older older um, customers, they've come to the door, they've had a look what's going on. It's lovely to see them. They're happy to see us again. Everybody's been saying we're so, we were so afraid that you weren't going to open again, mm-hmm. you know. And that feeling of it was worth it, that stress and the awful journey we went through is all worth it when I hear those words. Yeah, well... You tied me in very, very nicely for my next point, and that is around coronavirus and and, and the pandemic and, and what that's done. So, on a wider scale, not necessarily just with yourselves. Yeah. What what when the pandemic started, and then bit by bit we were drip fed more information, and then we we got to lockdown in I think it was the the April maybe. Um, what was going through your mind about? a your cinema and b the industry in general because for for the longest time the arts were very much left in the dark and left to fend for themselves kind of what was going through your mind in like the initial first few months well we went we closed on the 20th of march so mm-hmm. it was before the eight it was before april and we, when the when he said everybody stay at home mm-hmm. and i remember we we sent everybody home and we we, we put closure into place operationally we threw a ruckload of no time to die flyers into the skip on film we just had a delivery of our april program to be mailed out boxes were just left it was literally like chernobyl you know we just left last one turned the light out yeah yeah we cleaned everything up we entered the fridges and i remember standing in the courtyard with a sweeping brush, just doing a last sweep, looking around and thinking, what's going to, I, I, you know, I would never in a million years thought it would be 16 months later that we reopened again. Yeah. I was just thinking, oh, this is, this is weird, you know. Mm. And so as time wore on and we could sense that there was no scope for reopening, my kind of, we were all furloughed um, and, um Myself and, and two colleagues, we were like flexible fellows so we could keep the slumber going in the background. Mm-hmm. And with my trustees as well, they were amazing. You know, the, everything that I said to them, you need to do this on my behalf or, you know, they just got on with it. Um, but meanwhile, in the background, I'm looking for funding, you know, yeah. I'm trying to, we had a fantastic crowdfunder in the summer of lockdown. You know, we, we tried to keep in touch with customers as best we, as best we could. But it was very difficult because we were locked, we were closed, and it was difficult. We were working, not even working, we were in a fragmented way, so we couldn't access anything. Yeah. It was just a really, really awkward situation. Um, and so I'm just constantly thinking, we ain't gonna get there's no way we're gonna reopen again now. Yeah. This is it, this is the last, this is the death, you know, the last nail. Mm-hmm. And um and then, you know, we were, as you said, you know, we were drip fed. And that drip feeding, you know, came in fits and starts, obviously. And so I just, we just, you know, managed the situation week to week. Yeah. One of the interesting things that happened for me, two things. For me personally, I was contacted by press nationally. Okay. On a regular basis to give, mm. and I was thinking, am I the only person that can comment on cinema <laughs> at this point? And um, it felt like, you know, I was, I, I did so much press. It yeah. was really interesting. Um, and it felt like that I got, I got Lighthouse sort of on the national map. Yeah. 
and that people were realizing, oh, that's a, that's an interesting cinema mm-hmm. in Wolverhampton. Yeah, you know, it was almost like nationally we were better known than locally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was interesting. That it enabled me to kind of make our mark a little bit more nationally. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting. Um, and um, and then the, the the whole funding side of it was just one of the most stressful things I've ever been through in my professional imagine, life. Yeah. Um, it was a lot, you know, hinging on getting this cultural recovery fund and we were rejected. And we were rejected by obviously being counters that weren't, they weren't interested in rhetoric or they weren't interested in what you did. Really, the, 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 the things that we do for community mm-hmm. and the, the, the things that we... Um, achieve that are totally aligned with the BFI objectives. But because we were in that hole that I mentioned earlier, they didn't like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we've still reopened. So what was that, what was that like then on the build-up and and so so the world starts to open up again and what you know we're doing the okie cokie really because one minute we're in, one minute we're out, and then but things start to open up and the world starts to the, you know, the cogs start to turn. What's going through your mind during that time? Are you thinking to yourself, is it too risky to try a reopening or did, or was it a case of you had to strike while the iron was hot? Yeah, we, we just said, right, this is it. Let's set a date and let's do it. And um, we, we, we didn't open right on the time that the government said that we could. Mm-hmm. So we, it, you know, it wasn't that simple. You can't just go in, yeah. switch the projectors back on and you've, you've got to reignite relationships with suppliers mm-hmm. we didn't have a phone number for the first six weeks of opening because we lost our old phone number yeah. because we hadn't been active for 16 months and they just sort of gave up on us so it, that that restricted we reopened in a heat wave we reopened yeah. in the middle of an international football tournament that then went into Wimbledon that then went into the Olympics and some of the worst time for cinema anyway in terms of ticket sales. We all know that in you mm-hmm. know in the sector and the industry. So we were up against challenges and we got a we got a pot of money that had been, you know, we tried to sort of manage that to have something to push us for a few months. But you know, that money doesn't last forever. No. And the the sort of speed and the trajectory that we're going with ticket sales, it's slow, it's happening, it's going up and it's become, you know, but it's very, very slow. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got to have a very steady hand now for the next few months to see. Um, and there might be a turning point. I'm hoping when James Bond opens, there's some big stuff coming down the line, plenty of good quality content and the theatre stuff, but we've got a strong following for the National Theatre Live and the streaming stuff. That's always a good seller for us yeah i mean that that's something i really wanted to talk about with you because i think coronavirus and the pandemic is forcing the hand i think of the industry to look at itself and think okay well we may need to make changes now in the way that we operate and the way and the content that we provide and you know things like esports for example is the the next big thing and that's all anyone's talking about and for wolverhampton itself and for followers of, of of the football club you know we've just signed a big deal as an e as an esport provider and that and then your relationship with the theatre and mm. in recent in recent years I've seen um I've seen gigs at a cinema and and, yeah, and yeah. festival events and things like that. And then you've got kind of other other avenues as well like like online festivals that are something that I know you're really passionate about and I think you're going to have have a hand in as well soon. Is that right? In terms of the Wolverhampton Film Festival. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, that's sort of in its um, it's it's past embryonic now. It's we've we've got a plan, action plan, and um, so that's exciting to 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 start thinking about trying to get something going that will you know go on and on and on, like the Deaf Festival that we do, um, which is an international. I mean, we don't we we aren't the um, curators of Deaf Festival, we, we host it with a, you know, the mm-hmm. partners, and it's such a brilliant thing to be part of. That's you know we're going to be doing our sixteenth one. Wow. 
you know, um, and we're involved with the Wolverhampton Literature Festival. We're involved with Wolverhampton Comedy Festival. We're involved with Arts Fest that the university run. You know, we're a, a and we're going to be part of the British Art Show in in early 2022 with the university part in partnership with the Hayward Gallery. So we've got all these things that we're involved with, um, just because it works. You know. Yeah. Do you think that the industry? If 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 maybe reluctantly, has got to move into looking at other avenues of of um, performance, such as esports or the theatre or music, as a secondary or or third kind of um, product that it can provide for people. Do you think that's the way it's going to go in the future? Are people phasing out of seeing the cinema as purely to watch film? I think in a way, yes. But what you have to remember is that there's only so many hours in the week, you know, only so many, yeah. see, you know, screen. So, you know, if you're thinking of a small place like us, mm-hmm. you know, like I said earlier, I, we, I think, I believe our program jam packed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 on average, we show about 13 films a month. Yeah. So this was pre-pandemic, but we started plumping the program up again mm-hmm. next week. We opened the second screen, and and you know, trying to maximize and exploit what we've got um so you have to be careful that you don't sort of dilute by having too much on offer um because pete you know like again back to the point of the demographic that we're engaged with mm-hmm. people have only got so much money to spend on certain you know yeah um the theater side to it's interesting because we again pride ourselves in being able to say we're offering the met opera from new york you know the sydney sydney harbour um opera house and all that mm-hmm. and the this is this is like the creme de la creme of, of global theater yeah you know and it's piped through in, in a wolverhampton you know city center yeah yeah yeah. and so that stuff was that stuff was just off the scale mm-hmm. before you know as a as a as an integral part of the programming, diversifying things like esports or possibly gaming, te- you know, gaming tournaments, all that sort of thing. There's a place for it, yeah. There's a place for it, but you just have to be careful that you don't offer too much and then it's spread too thinly. Yeah, I, yeah, that's that's absolutely fair. Um, and I think that from you don't want to um, broke meant something that's not broken if you've got a core a core product that people enjoy you want to be able to maximize that as much as possible um to, to flip it the other way then i mean we mentioned at the, at the very start about um food and food being kind of the bane of the cinema experience but you did mention obviously about the bar as well and people being able to take a drink now that's really for me that's really it sounds bizarre that it should be so niche to be able to take a take a beer or take a glass of wine in but that makes that experience for me, perhaps worryingly so, that much more enjoyable. Um well, you know, to, yeah. to do that. Um, <laughs> and it's great that it's great that you can do that. Um, and I think that that's something that's been missing for a lot of people because rightly or wrongly, people enjoy a drink when they're enjoying their hobbies, and, and it's great that you can do that and you know go out into the courtyard afterwards and have a drink and that kind of thing. Is yeah. that must be really popular. It, it is, yeah. It's you know, you, we get to know regulars, we get to know their drinks orders, especially yeah. with the theatre stuff. You know, we always know the bar's going to be uh, some. Re, you know, I think it's, it's it's on another level with the yeah. theatre audience because they have their pre-theatre drinks and they have their <laughs> integral drinks and then they'll have another drink stage. So you know that you're going to make um, a bit of uh, a bit of an income. Uh, uplift from from the theatre stuff but you know but on the other side of this you know we're we're, we're talking to the university at the moment excuse me about accommodating a regular Muslim group from from the university mature student group are looking for again a space where they feel comfortable Mm -hmm. but you know no alcohol Mm -hmm. and that we we can adapt to that yeah that's something that I'm more than happy you know, to, you know, just to sort of uh, break off that space and then they use a different space and it's, mm-hmm. you know, because what I'm interested in, 
I don't care if someone wants a glass of wine or a glass of water. I want them to know what film offers are there yeah. for them to think about, well, we can go and have a, what's this, what, what's this place? Mm-hmm. You know, every way is everything, engagement, every engagement activity that we do, for me, is to get those people in front of the films. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the important thing, isn't it? I mean, we are a, a film and, and, and TV kind of podcast and we, whilst trying to do it in a kind of a jovial way as possible, the core the core thing is that we want people to see good film and TV and, and, and you know, if, and, and to do that in a setting, you know, film films in the cinema for, for us, have, it's very much a, um, a pure purity kind yeah. of thing. Um, it's made for that environment and you can't, get that same experience so platforms like disney plus for example that are, that are showing black widow mm-hmm. for me I, I the price of a cinema ticket is the price of a cinema ticket you can argue it's high you can argue it's not but i would never pay that to watch it at home in my surroundings i, I love my living room and i like my tv and i've got a surround sound system but the, it's the experience of getting up and going to a cinema that makes it and i i hope that isn't lost on people these days yeah um, it's- and it's 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 tough because you know a lot of people out of the pandemic as well are just want to stay at home or they just want to be in their comfort or they're nervous about being around the general public or waiting yeah. to be jabbed twice before they'll want yeah. to venture out and i hope for you guys that 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 the tide has turned now now that the world is opening up a little more and you know vaccines are readily available at time of recording and and that, that it, it go, all goes in the right direction well, we hope so, but also the interesting thing about um, consuming stuff on platforms, I mean, we were having this discussion 2012, 2013 at Euro, you know, Euro um, at the Euro, what are they called? This um, the European conference, the cinema conference, mm-hmm. um, and, um, you know, talking about the threat of video on demand and, yeah. and Films being released same day and all that sort of thing. So it's been slowly coming up behind us. We've always known that that was going to be, and obviously the the pandemic accelerated that a little, well, a lot. But you know, we were having a discussion the other week about certain films that, if they'd have gone straight onto platforms, mm-hmm. they would have been lost. The, the one film that came to my mind was Bait, mm-hmm. which was. It, I thought it was a spectacular film. You know, again, it, it, it is on the, the niche side of, you know, the indie kind of niche, quirky art house kind of thing. But the point I'm making is if that had gone straight to a platform, it would have just been totally lost. Now, because yeah. that got pushed a lot with the BFI and independent cinemas pushed it a lot. And obviously the Southwest, because of it being its Cornwall connection and Bristol and all that, you know, the West Country, it was really celebrated mm. and I'm hoping that it's been a springboard for the director to do something you know something else and if that had just gone straight to Netflix or whatever it, it wouldn't have had any cachet or anything it would have just been oh what's this you would have just skimmed through it yeah as an example and there's so you know so again it's back to that thing of dilution you know it's it's a difficult one. We lost in a sea think... of other content, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so uh, before we kind of wrap up, if, if people are listening to this and they want to experience Lighthouse for the first time or they want to support or know more, what's the best way for, for, for them to go about that? Well, our website is uh, light-house.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Um, we programme fortnightly at the moment because we've had to come back in things slowly, but surely um we used to program monthly um so you can get everything's on the website you can follow us on facebook lighthouse uh, cinema and cafe bar you can follow us on twitter at lighthouse media and the same for at, on instagram uh we haven't got a tiktok account yet but we're working <laughs> on that I'm far too old to do it myself, but I'm not. Saying, I'm not saying I couldn't do it. It's just I feel like I don't. I don't. I oh, feel like I, I shouldn't be doing it. 
I tried to edit a video on TikTok the other day and it was just a mess. And I I feel pretty confident with technology, but I, I couldn't get my head around it. It was filters were here. I think I had a unicorn corn there. It was just, it was going all over the place. Oh, no, no. <laughs> so we, we, we are going to hopefully engage with some of the younger demographic to help us with that. And there's a couple of students from East Birmingham City University that are hopefully going to be helping us along with that. Yeah. Um. And 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 um. Obviously, you can phone us. You can book tickets over the phone. You can book online. You can engage with us as a donor through localgiving.com.org. Sorry. Um. If you wanted to donate to us to the you know as a charity, um. We we're always open to um suggestions and we like critical friends. I'm always open to people who are local filmmakers or people that want to showcase stuff. Mm-hmm. We can talk to them about that, if that, you know, that opportunity. Um, and obviously you can, we can be hired as a venue. We have like a cafe bar and we have wedding. We've got a wedding in a couple of weeks. We, we have, you know, small acoustic music nights. We have poetry yeah. and literature stuff, exhibition space. There's so much that goes on, you know, peripheral to the cinema yeah and i think that's the overriding kind of message really something that that uh, even to me is something I, I wasn't so aware that you did so much that wasn't just cinema so that's hopefully other people will feel the same and actually go oh, i might check that out because that's something i didn't realize even existed as a you know as, as a medium which which is great in, in terms of kind of what you are looking forward to going forward um, in terms of like listings over the next kind of two weeks to a month, I also understand that you're, are you going to the Toronto Film Festival, are you? Talk, yeah, talk well, me through that a little bit. Yeah, sadly, I can't physically go. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, my plan was, I went in 2016 and the plan was to go in 2021 again. Yeah. And that was next week. That's not going to happen. But um, I'm very lucky enough to be able to uh, do be on part of the online press industry uh, access. So I'm just working through my schedule at the moment for next, it starts Thursday for, for seven, eight, nine days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, this is my first proper online festival. It was uh, online last year mm-hmm. and uh, there was a lot of issues uh, with, the Cannes Film Festival, for example, there are a lot of issues with geo-blocking. Of course. Um, which I'd never even heard that term until a few weeks ago. So, But I didn't know what a lanyard was until I was 40. <laughs> I, I didn't know they were called lanyards. So, you know, I'm learning every day. But in terms of Toronto, I've been through the schedule. They have the gala presentations of the films that you would expect. So you've got the new um, Cam- uh, Dan Campion film, not available. Mm-hmm. Adelaide to us. Uh, you got the new um, uh, Zim, uh, the Chinese director um, Zhang Yimou, not available. Mm-hmm. We've got Belfast, the new uh, Kenneth Branagh, not available. Yeah, it's just a shame. Uh, yeah, so we've got Spencer, the new Diana film that's had rave reviews at Venice, not available. <laughs> I would, I could go on. However, you know, there's there's there's, there's forty odd other films I'm going to be working my way through. Reduce them down. Look at the ones that I think will be suitable for Lighthouse. Look at a few that I'll personally want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, the Guilty's one, Jake Gyllenhaal's new one. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's Lakewood, which is um, uh, the actress's name got out of my head. Um. No, I can't think of a name. Like, okay, um, you'll do you'll and, do well. You'll do well on our podcast. To be fair, we're always trying to be googling away when we're <laughs> mid podcast. Um, but the <laughs> one that I'm most looking forward to, and I'll yeah. end on this one, is Benediction, which is Peter Capaldi's new film. Okay, yeah. And the reason, one of the reasons why I'm interested in seeing that is because a lot of it was shot in the Midlands. Okay, nice. Um, they use Bantop yeah. Park. They used um, Sutton Coldfield Town Hall. And they filmed in one of a personal friend of mine's house. Um, oh wow! Friend Stephen, who has got a Victorian old GP surgery just around mm-hmm. the corner from where I live. Okay, wow! Well. You know, Peter Capaldi was there. So that's the, the film that's based on the life of Stephen Sassoon, the war poet. Oh, that um, sounds incredible. Yeah. So I'm hoping yeah, you should be seeing that at, at Toronto. But yeah. Again, it's back to that point of 
you know, hybrid festivals, will that be the future? Mm -hmm. Or in person again? You know, who, who knows how it's going to pan out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to kind of wrap up where we began and why we do this podcast, so half of what we do is is going through um, the entire Nick Cage catalogue to determine <laughs> whether he is either a good or a bad actor. That is that is half of the half of the battle that we do, and then and then we we'll, we talk more generally on other episodes. Um, so you're you're showing Pig very yeah. very 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 soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you'll see it after the festival, perhaps when you've got a bit more time on your hands. Um, a really wonderful, poignant, uh, soul crushing in parts drama that, if you looked at just the trailer, you'd think it was John Wick, and it's really not. Um, it's no. really not at all um, and I'm really looking forward and, and I'm really appreciative of you guys showing it because I thought I was gonna have to venture to maybe Leicester oh, or I think like it was it was quite there was there wasn't at one point there wasn't a, a screening for 50 miles or so um, wow. so it's really really great that you guys are doing that and and thank you for coming on it's been really good to speak to somebody in the industry and kind of understand how the pandemic has has affected you and hopefully fingers crossed you know things are moving in the right direction and and people are, are going to flock to flock to this to the lighthouse again so thank you very much for coming on that's my pleasure speak to you soon thank you well there you have it that was the uh, first of our cinema industry deep dives i really really hope you enjoyed it. it's not something that we would usually do and it's a bit of a break from the norm and possibly a little bit more serious than we would normally do and Stu wasn't here to tell us a horrendous story about some kind of sexual pofar um pofar faux pas well there we go <laughs> i've done it myself now anyway um, you know where to find us, Cage Fighting Pod on Twitter. Send us an email at cagefightingpod at gmail.com as well. We'd love to know your feedback. For anybody that's listened to this for the first time on the back of coming from the lighthouse, um, welcome. First of all, we do uh, a kind of split the podcast into two, really, where we will review Nick Cage films to answer the biggest question in cinema history is nick cage a good or bad actor and then we also answer the big questions in film and uh question each other each week on pretty much anything to do with film one of the highlights of the uh, show so far has been discussing our favorite movie chicken uh, so you can kind of get an idea of the kind of stuff that we talk about uh, on the podcast. But it's been a delight to have um, everybody listening. I really, really hope um, that we've uh, we've give a bit of an insight into the industry at the Lighthouse and um, hope you uh, have a fantastic rest of the week. Take it easy, guys. Look after yourselves. And I'm do this for the first time. Be excellent to each other. <laughs>